Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to another Q&A podcast episode. I'm here with Coach Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hello, Nicole. How are you? I am doing well. How is the vibe in your household? Is everyone so ready for Christmas? We are all very ready and excited for Christmas. Kids' last day of school today is today. And then we're all just like cautiously optimistic that we're going to be healthy and make it through. We've got a sick husband, dad hiding out in, his, in our room right now. But you know what? We're all vaccinated up. We're avoiding him. We're going to we're going to get through it. I have a good feeling that we're all going to be healthy and have a fantastic holiday. What about uh, you? Guys? You've got a little a little guy. We're so excited to kind of see his reaction to the holiday. He's gotten into Santa. So now we point out Santa everywhere we see him, but he's not yet old enough to like fully understand. So it's going to be a pretty chill holiday for us, which I'm all about. Like, I don't have to do Elf on the Shelf. I don't even know if I'm going to do that. Do you guys do Elf on the Shelf? Yes. (laughs) And we are not a look at all the mischief the elf got into over the night. We are a, oh, he moved from the tree to the stocking type of a family. (laughs) And it still is just one extra thing to add to your brain. I mean, the kids do like it. But yeah, think carefully before introducing, because once you start it, you can't stop it really. I just feel like, so I didn't grow up with Elf on the Shelf. I think I'm too old. Like it wasn't a thing. But all of the things that I see online are like, why the heck did I start doing this? Or, you know, the Elf is doing some pretty naughty things. And I'm like, isn't that just setting an example for your kids to also follow that? I don't know if I want to get into that whole trend. Well, and then setting the standard that every night the elf does some outrageous activity, that's adding so much to your plate. (laughs) Like, I want to go to bed at night. I don't want to be like setting up a naughty elf scene. So, yeah, we I mean, honestly, half the time I move them in the morning because I'm up early anyway. So we keep it super simple. It's still a fun thing for the kids. And yeah, I I don't think you're doing your kids a disservice by not having it. I think they'll be just fine. (laughs) There's plenty of other Christmas magic around. Yep. That's sort of where my headspace is at. But I know the next couple of years are going to be like really big into the holidays because, you know, Cole will be old enough to fully understand this year. I'm kind of kicking back and enjoying the fact that he's going to be so excited to like play with the boxes that his toys come in, but isn't really going to be aware that it's any other day than usual. He'll probably love the wrapping paper too. Like, like carry around the wrapping paper, eat a little bit of it. You know, I mean, he's going to have a great morning. My expectations are low. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be great. Now, when this comes out, Christmas will have passed and we're actually going to be getting ready to head into the new year, which I can't believe is just a week-ish away. I feel like this year has just blown by. So we have a couple of really exciting questions. And one that is particularly insightful for those who want to start the new year healthier and working towards a leaner body composition. So let's dive into our questions. The first question, Lauren, I am actually asking you, and then you can ask me in return if you want to. But 
We ask all of our guest experts this question, and yet I don't think we've ever answered ourselves, which doesn't really seem fair. So the question that I want to ask you first is, if you had a dating profile, regardless of the fact that you're married and you have three beautiful children, what would your dating profile say? Tell us the nitty gritty details about you. Okay. So yeah, no, I've never had a dating profile. So this is the first time I've had to answer this. (laughs) It would say that I'm 37 years old, mom of three, lives currently in St. Louis. I've born and raised here, lived here my whole life. And then in terms of like, hobbies and things like that. (laughs) I mean, I do, I hate to say it because I feel like it causes people to roll their eyes, but I do love to work out. So I go to the gym and I'm a runner and that's a big part of my life. We also, I like to say we hike. We don't get out as much as we used to just because we're very busy these days with kid things. Um, And then I am obsessed with baking, (laughs) which I feel like it's such mixed messages, but it's like a great love of my life. I'm obsessed with it. Goal for the new year is to master sourdough bread. Like this is my thing right now. So so basically anyone reading your profile would be like, okay, I have to love (laughs) exercise and love eating food. I don't think you're going to have a hard time finding people that are interested in swiping right or swiping left. I don't know which one is like a yes, I want to date with this gal, but I really don't think you're going to have a hard time finding people that resonate with that message. Yeah, I yeah, those are my basic things right now is food and exercise. (laughs) I don't know if that makes me really and kid stuff. So that probably makes me really boring to the average person. But that is that's where I'm at in life. So many soccer practices and basketball practices. And in between, we work out and we bake. (laughs) I love it. Sign me up. Yes, that's that's right up my alley. Okay, I have to ask you now. What's your name? I'll say I've never had one either. So I can tell you it would take me ages to actually create one because I would want to make sure that I was accurately portraying myself and like pushing away all the red flags. But I think if I had to like about me in a nutshell, I would say something like I love deep conversation. I definitely gravitate towards people who can make me laugh because that's really, really hard. I tend to be like stoic, serious face type A, come on, let's be productive. Let's do this. And the people that I surround myself with are not like that at all. And I think that's a good thing. I'm constantly covered in dog hair. So this person would have to love dogs and I could watch rom-coms and read romance novels for days. I don't know what that says about me, but I'm just hopeless romantic through and through. I'm also a cancer. I have no idea what that means though. So don't ask. I love mint chocolate chip ice cream. So you would have to also love food. And I love quiet nights in and early bedtimes. So I think I also sound like a baby grandma in my dating profile. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, but there it is. Okay. Couple thoughts. One, I feel like we could date. We totally could date. Because I love an early bedtime and I love, you know, ice cream and fun TV to watch. Like one of my favorite things. Second of all, I don't find you as serious as you just described yourself. I think you're very fun and light and easy to talk to. Okay. Here's a funny story for you. Well, it may or may not be funny. I'll let you decide. There was a TikTok trend going around that said, ask your partner whether you're the hot one or the funny one. (laughs) Basically the trend is if they don't say both, they're wrong. And so I asked Patrick, do you know what he said right away? He was like, obviously you're the hot one. And I said, why am I not funny? You laugh way more than I do. That means I am funnier than you. He doesn't think I'm funny one little bit. He just thinks he is hilarious, which, you know, I'll let you decide if you ever meet him in person and hear him crack his jokes. But yeah, I think I'm funny, but apparently I'm the only one that laughs at my own jokes. 
That's I, I actually have the opposite. I always tell Tim, I'm like, you think I'm way funnier than I am, which I guess is what you want in a spouse. But he will just be like dying laughing at the stupidest things. I'm like, I guess I have an easy audience. <laughs> but then I get like, I'm hilarious. Are you kidding me? I think I'm so funny because my audience laughs at anything I do and say. But I have my yeah. kids to bring me down to earth. They don't think I'm funny at all. They keep it real. Yeah. Mom, you're so embarrassing. I'm not oh, there yeah. yet. So my ego is not yet taking that hit. Well, and even when you can tell they think it's funny, they have to pretend like it's not like play cool. So yeah, they keep you grounded. Totally. Oh gosh. I love learning that about you. I feel like obviously I've known you for a long time now, but there's still some like hidden gems when you have to describe yourself. It's like, oh yes, I didn't know that. Or I hadn't heard that in a while. Love it. Yeah, for sure. Lauren, are you ready for the next question? Bring it on. What is the connection between nutrition and skin? I feel like people want to hear that there is a direct connection and that if you just eat these certain foods, you're going to have this like beautiful glowing skin and social media can make us feel that way. The truth is what the research shows is that there isn't a super strong connection between skin and nutrition beyond just hitting the basics that we talk about all the time, having a nutrient rich diet filled with those vitamins and minerals that we just need to keep our body functioning and thriving, filled with protein to keep our body working at its best. Those things can help you have better skin. Staying hydrated is going to be very important here. But if I if I had to describe like the perfect skincare diet, which I've seen like posts like that, I don't think there's a thing because again, we have to remember that genetics come into play and that is going to have a huge impact The one thing that I can maybe say is like a tangible takeaway from skincare related to nutrition is encouraging consumption of omega-3 rich foods. So that can have an impact and that can have, you know, a positive impact on your skin. So we're looking at foods like fish, like mackerel and salmon, seeds, nuts, all of these foods can help you, you know, get enough omega-3s in your diet which is going to be good for a lot of things. But one of the things it can be helpful with is your skin. So honestly, I would recommend the same thing that we always recommend, which is eat a mostly whole foods diet, minimize ultra processed foods, stay hydrated, sleep, minimize cut out alcohol and don't smoke. (laughs) And otherwise get a good skincare routine, go to a dermatologist. I think it's so important that you mentioned genetics because there are probably people out there who are so frustrated because they feel like they're eating super well and they're doing everything that they can to take care of their bodies. And yet for whatever reason, they struggle severely with acne or they struggle with some type of skin issue that is not related to what they're eating or how they're exercising because of genetics. I think that's a totally valid point. There are also people who probably eat primarily garbage and have gorgeous skin. (laughs) So some of it is just the luck of the draw. And I think it's really important that we mention that. On the flip side, for most people, nutrition does play a role, just like nutrition plays a role in the health and the maintenance of the rest of our body, right? I think we forget that skin is an organ, the largest organ that we have. So the healthier we eat, generally the healthier organs, obviously there are exceptions in situations like cancer and just fluke scenarios. So like you mentioned, and I don't want to beat a dead horse Yes, making sure you're getting a variety of vitamins and minerals in your diet, making sure that you're getting healthy omega-3 fats, also making sure you're eating enough protein. And this is where a lot of the talk of like collagen and skin and hair and nail health comes in. And I think collagen is kind of overhyped a little bit, but 
protein does help to provide like structure and elasticity to the skin. So making sure that you're incorporating proteins, whether it's an animal source or it's a plant-based source, doesn't matter in addition to staying hydrated. And then what I would say is also making sure you're aware of your own personal triggers. So I have worked with clients who have particular sensitivities to things like dairy or gluten, and they're not allergic to those foods. They don't go into like anaphylactic shock if they have them, but they do notice that they're more prone to breakouts or that they get little bumps on their skin if they have dairy or if they have gluten. So this is one of those situations where, again, it's going to be totally individual specific, but really getting familiar with what your body feels best with. And if something's not causing you to feel your best, maybe removing it or at least limiting it could be super helpful in terms of skin health and just health in general. I say this too, as someone who struggled with their skin, like for the vast majority, and honestly, I feel like until I was, I was like 30 years old, it took me 30 years to figure out my skin. And even now, last year I went to the dermatologist because I was like, I still get hormonal breakouts. I am 30, I was 36 years old. And so I take a little pill that helps a lot. And yeah, I just think genetics play a very large role. I eat a pretty nutrient dense diet. I prioritize my protein and I still felt like I had these breakouts that no skincare regimen was helping with. So no shame in just heading to the dermatologist and trying to figure it out. And then of course, hitting the baseline with all your foundational health habits. By all means, try reshaping your diet a little bit. If you feel like you could be getting more fruits and vegetables, or maybe you're not eating a lot of omega-3 fats, which is very common. A lot of us eat primarily omega-6 fats, but if that's something you want to try, it's probably going to be a pretty like low barrier, low cost experiment that you can run. And then if that's not working, by all means, seek out a dermatologist, see what they have to say, or go see an esthetician and get some professional guidance. I am not a skin expert. I do know that wearing SPF is one of the best things that you can do for anti-aging and making sure that you are preventing skin cancer and all of those fun things. But aside from eating a well-balanced diet and making sure that you're aware of what leaves you feeling best and what your personal triggers are. There's not a secret solution. You know, I wish there was, <laughs> I wish that we had the secret sauce, but yeah, try to play around with your nutrition. And if nothing else, you'll still be improving your health, even if your skin doesn't improve. So true. Yeah. It's a, it's a win-win either yep. way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Lauren, I want to spend the majority of our time answering this question because I think it's a super timely question, but I also think there is so much here that we can share with our audience. And this question was, what is the most effective way to set a weight loss resolution? Uh, gosh, we could do an entire podcast episode on this. But first things that jump out in my brain are number one, set realistic expectations. I think unrealistic expectations are such a killer of your progress. Because if you're going into January thinking, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month, and you lose four, you're going to feel like a huge failure. However, if you go into January thinking like, it would be great if I lost about half a pound to a pound a week and you lose four pounds, you're going to feel pretty successful. So first you have to set realistic expectations. And then within that, you need to make sure you're giving yourself enough time to achieve your goals and understand that most likely it's going to take longer than you think. So if you feel like you set a realistic goal of three months, maybe give yourself six just to, to not feel rushed, to not, again, keep those expectations in check and to understand that life is going to happen and might, you know, 
get you astray from your plans for a minute and then you get back to it. And so just give yourself enough time with your realistic expectations. And then I want you to focus more on a consistency goal with certain behaviors versus, you know, I have no problem saying like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. I don't think that's a bad thing, but that in itself isn't really that helpful. It doesn't tell you how to achieve that goal. So the goal should really be consistency with the steps that will get you to your desired outcome. So if, again, going back to you want to lose 20 pounds, well, what habits and behaviors do you need to be consistent with to achieve that goal? I would get very crystal clear on that. Maybe it's, you know, getting 8,000 steps in a day. It's making sure you have five servings of protein in a day. It's getting to the gym three days a week. Whatever those habits might be, I would get very clear on them and really focus 99% of your, you know, energy on consistency with those habits versus the ultimate outcome that you're working towards, if that makes sense. So I think those three things can get you really far further than most people realize consistency with behaviors, realistic expectations, and then just enough time to achieve the results that you want. Yeah, those are crucial. I actually came up with a a short list of 10 things (laughs) (laughs) that I think, honestly, if we're looking at creating body composition change. I want to live in a leaner body. I want to lose body fat, but make sure that it stays off in the new year. These are 10 things. Yours was essentially like the elevator pitch of what I would recommend. So you hit three of the 10 things that were on my list. So we'll just fly through these. But first I want to say, I think someone listening could, because of our messaging, believe that we are anti weight loss resolution. And I just want to publicly announce that that's not the case. In fact, I know some clients who started their journeys with a weight loss resolution. Now, it didn't end there. They weren't just resolving to lose weight and then they tried and that was it. They evolved their journey and evolved their practice over time. But there is a psychological benefit to the fresh start mentality. So whether it's starting fresh on a Monday or starting fresh on January 1st, we don't want you to reserve creating change for those fresh starts because you can start today, tonight, the next choice you make right away, right? You can wipe the slate clean at any time. So we don't ever want to feel like, well, everything's ruined. I might as well just go down the fucking spiral until Monday or until January 1st. That's not going to benefit anybody. However, if you feel as though you want to take advantage of the extrinsic motivation that comes with a new calendar year or that comes with the fresh start, go for it. Just know that the worst thing that you can do is go all in. You mentioned you were a runner, Lauren. I remember when I used to run consistently, my running coach saying, don't burn out right away. Don't go full speed off the start line, right? Because you want to make sure you can make it to the finish line. So that means you want to pace yourself. And I think the same is true for a weight loss goal. You don't want to lose weight as quickly as possible. You don't want to be super strict and aggressive with your action steps starting January 1st, only to burn out February Second, you know, you want to make sure that you're in this for the long haul and you can cross the finish line. So in order to do that, 10 quick tips. The first I had, you already mentioned, set realistic goals. 
So I'm not going to reiterate that one. The second, focus on behavior changes. You also mentioned on this one, rather than solely focusing on the outcome, which in this case would be weight loss, concentrate on adopting healthier habits. This is what we are experts in. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to lose one pound this week. We can't control that. But you know what we can control is by setting action steps in terms of how many servings of protein that we're committing to, how many steps we're going to get each day. All of those examples that you already mentioned. If we focus on behavior, executing behavior consistently becomes a habit. If we build the habits, then the outcomes happen as a result. Number three, make sustainable changes. You and I talk about this all the freaking time, but if you can't see yourself sticking with it, why the heck are you doing it? Crash diets, extreme exercise routines, they sound sexy at first. I get it. Everybody wants to start Whole30 again on January 1st. Everybody wants to start 75 hard on January 1st. But what happens on day 31? What happens on day 76? If you don't have a contingency plan or a maintenance plan after the fact, it will lead to rebound weight gain. And if that's not what you're looking for, go a different direction. Four, be patient and persistent. This is also something you mentioned with time. Weight loss takes time. It takes longer than you want it to. That sucks, but it's just the name of the game. There will be challenges along the way. So you might say, okay, with a, a realistic rate of half a pound to one pound per week, I can reach my goal in X weeks or X months. That's beautiful but it's going to be blown to smithereens because work is going to throw you a crazy curveball. You're going to have a husband that's sick in bed all week and can't help with your kids. You're going to, I don't know, whatever family emergency is going to pop up. You don't get to the grocery store. Everything's ruined, right? Life loves to throw those curveballs. And we can't be discouraged by those temporary setbacks because we won't reach our target on a specific date. Who the heck cares? As long as you're headed in the right direction and you're building skills that allow you to keep showing up, through those less than awesome seasons, that's the key. What are we at? Number five, track your progress. So keep a record of the metrics that mean the most to you. This could be energy level. It could be the way your clothes are fitting. You could keep a temporary food log or food journal to collect some feedback. Maybe you're okay with stepping on the scale or doing girth measurements. You need to stay accountable. We've talked about this expression before, but what gets measured gets managed. If you're saying, oh, I want to lose weight, but you have no metric that you're using to track that consistently, except for how you feel in your body, I'm all about checking in with yourself and using biofeedback, but we have to remember how we feel is not always trustworthy. I know when I have my period, I feel like raging at everybody and I feel like I'm a balloon, just feeling puffy and uncomfortable in my body and my clothes are fitting a little bit more snug. If I use that as my only metric, I'm not being fair to myself and to my progress because that's a temporary feeling versus what the data actually says, which is hey, you're retaining a little water weight during these couple of days. It's going to pass. Don't worry. You are in fact making progress. Anything you would add or interject there, Lauren? The only thing that I, that has popped in my brain since you've been chatting that I wanted to add was the fresh, you know, slate effect. I did a post about this the other day. I there's a lot of kind of shaming sometimes I feel like around New Year's resolutions of like, oh, they don't work. And you can like you said, you can start today. And all of that is true that you can start whenever. However, my whole thought around it is that I don't really care what gets you motivated to get started. If January 1st gets you motivated to get started, then I would encourage you to use that motivation Understanding you're not always going to feel as fired up. That's fine. January 1st, you know, by January 10th, you might feel a little, you know, 
oh, this is kind of more boring than I was expecting it to be. That's fine. But whatever motivation, whenever you have that motivation to get started, use it. I think it's great. Whatever gets you started, as long as you're going about it, using the kind of you know guidelines that we're providing today, you can be successful as long as you don't quit. So who cares why you started? Just get started. January 1st, February 10th, it doesn't matter. Just get started. Whenever you feel that really burst of motivation, makes it easier. Absolutely. I love that. Capitalize on motivation. This is what we do with all of our coaching clients, but then make sure that you have systems in place that keep you going when motivation dies because mm-hmm. it will. It's it will. Fun. Of course it will. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're at five of 10. We have set realistic goals, focus on behavior changes, make sustainable changes, be patient and persistent and track your progress. The next five that I would recommend are involve or recruit others. This is super taboo when it comes to a weight loss goal because of the shame that so many of us walk around carrying because of past failed attempts at weight loss or stigma, what people think of when we're trying to lose weight. But what research shows is that when we share what we're working on with friends or family members or support partners, we are more successful. And that's because we are accountable to more than just ourselves. So it's very easy for us to believe our own excuses. It's much harder when we know someone else is helping us and is going to be checking in with us, providing encouragement during challenging times, celebrating wins and successes alongside of us. Having a peer accountability or a coach accountability is so freaking powerful. So even if you're just telling your partner, hey, this is really important to me. Here's how you could support me. Are you okay with doing that? Is that something that you feel comfortable committing to? You're going to be more successful. If you have someone in your corner who's like, hey, things have been a little quiet lately. Have you been struggling? What's going on? Let's talk through and troubleshoot together. You're going to sit in that stuck spot for less time and you're going to be more successful. So don't go it alone. Find an online support group. Find a workout buddy. Find a coach, whatever it is. Seven, make sure that you're using positive reinforcement. Reward yourself. Share your celebrations with others, even if it's just you, you must acknowledge and reward yourself for small achievements. Even if they feel teeny, teeny, tiny, you have to celebrate your progress because there is nothing more motivating than celebrating progress. Even if it's small, if I'm like, yay, I did that. I'm so proud of myself. Do you know what that encourages me to do? keep doing the thing that I'm doing to make more progress. It just grows like a snowball, just rolls and rolls and rolls. But if I'm always constantly critiquing myself and talking about how much I'm a failure and what didn't happen, I'm not going to keep going, right? That doesn't give me good feelings and happy vibes. You have to find ways, I would argue pro tip, non-food related ways to celebrate your success, even if it's just something small. Like, hey, I made it to the gym once this week. That might not sound super impressive, but you know what? Last week, I didn't get there at all. Go me. Or hey, I ate a vegetable today. I haven't eaten a vegetable in the past couple of days. This is a win. Celebrate everything. The next one is to stay flexible. We have to be open to adjusting our plan as necessary. I already mentioned life loves throwing curveballs. Circumstances are going to change. So if you are not flexible and you don't have the skill of adapting, it's going to be very hard to make progress. So this is why, for example, meal plans fail. I actually just had someone slide into my DMs the other day and she was like, hey, I reached out to you before. At that time, you said you wouldn't write me a meal plan. Just checking in to see if you've changed your mind. I would really love a meal plan that I just can follow. And I had a really great conversation with her about why I no longer write meal plans because I used to at the very beginning of my career and how ultimately 
I know it's going to get her results in the very short term, but there's no flexibility there. So what happens when her kids want to celebrate their report card with pizza or her friends invite her out for girls night and or she's unable to get to the grocery store and all they have is cereal for dinner for that night, whatever it is, everything falls apart. And it's not teaching her skills. It's not building any habits that are going to last her long term. And then she's just going to feel like she had to recommit to the meal plan that again has no sustainability whatsoever. So you must remain flexible if you want to be successful. Lauren, you look like you have something you want to say about that. I need to offer a hot take on meal plans. Do please. And this is in no way meant to shame anybody who has used one or who like this person in your DMs. To me, though, meal plans are the easy way out. There's somebody who doesn't feel like doing the work. And I don't even know if they're aware that this is what's going on. Right. But it's really hard to it can be really hard to learn how to nourish your body. It can be really hard to unlearn old habits and build up better ones like that can be hard to do. It is it's easier to say, tell me exactly what to do and I will do it. And like you said, They don't work, though, because they're not teaching you anything. They only work when you're following those. And how often does real life really allow for us to follow a strict meal plan? In my life, it would be I would be burnt out in a day and a half, probably like I'd be like, well, that all went out the window. They're the easy way out. They're the cheat way. It's putting a Band-Aid over the problem. It's not helping you in the long run whatsoever. And I would even argue it's harming you in the short term because it's it's another quick fix that you're going to burn out and fail. And then it's just going to reinforce the idea that you aren't capable of creating change. So hot take meal plans, easy way out there for somebody who's not looking to do the real work that's required to achieve lasting results. Yeah. There's also, you mentioned it could be detrimental to health. I would argue that it's extremely detrimental also to mental health. I, full disclosure, have used a meal plan in the past when I was really struggling with disordered eating and I thought it was going to be the solution to my problems. And I remember my breakfast being something crazy like 10 egg whites and I would make hard boiled eggs and take out the yolk and then I would pack my egg whites to take to the gym and then like half of a sweet potato or something. And I remember sitting there at the gym between coaching clients, just gagging down egg whites. And there's no flexibility there. There's no versatility there. There's no relatability. What if someone is like asking you if you want to eat out with them for breakfast? What are you going to do? Take your egg whites and your sweet potato? Then it feels like you're so limited. There are good foods and bad foods and off limits foods, because if it's not on your meal plan, you can't have it. It just felt extremely restrictive. And I get it. My brain loves that. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'm a rule follower. But I think if we look at, which brings me to point number nine, how it's prioritizing health versus just an outcome, it's not. It's just prioritizing the results. And step number nine, if we aren't prioritizing our overall health and well-being, it's going to fail. If we're just chasing the number on the scale, as opposed to how we're feeling and how our body is functioning, ultimately that's going to crash and burn because then we're not going to feel well. We're not going to have the energy. We're going to feel hungry all the time. We're not going to have sustainability in whatever we do if we're not making sure that what we do is also caring for our bodies, brain and body, I should say. So Those are my nine tips. My 10th is fill out a one-on-one coaching application because I feel like that's the obvious one here. If you want to make sure that you are successfully and effectively losing weight in the new year and you want to do so in a way that 
uses your past failures as a launch pad. So you don't feel like you're repeating old mistakes, but you're using that feedback to say, hey, here's what didn't work. Here's what didn't feel awesome for me. How can I use that to make sure that I'm propelling myself closer towards my ultimate destination? And you want to cut down the timeline because I get it. I've done it myself. And I know that you could probably do it yourself too, but it's going to take three to 10 times longer if you don't have the support and accountability of a coach, if you don't have a like-minded community in your corner. So if you really want to reach your sustainable weight loss goal, most effectively, you'd fill out a coaching application, especially if you have been a podcast listener for a while and you know our message resonates with you. You're already like, yes, I get this. It makes sense. What are you waiting for? Yes, it will take longer than you want it to. It's not going to happen in 30 or 75 days, but you will finally reach your goal knowing that now you have the tools, the skills, and the habits to not just have made that progress, but also confidently maintain your progress for the rest of your life. I can say with absolute certain that I wasted years just trying to figure it out on my own, literally years trying to figure it out on my own. And that's sad. Like that's years of your life that you can't get back that you spent, you know, yo-yo dieting or binging restricting or just feeling really uncomfortable in your body and your relationship with food and out of control. It's not a fun place to be. I know I've been there. I know you've been there. If you can, if you can, if there's something that you can do to speed up the process to get you to a happier, healthier, more confident place, I can't recommend it enough. And here's the thing. There's that quote of like, once you get there, you're not going to give a shit about how long it took. That's really hard to hear when you're in the moment and you're like, yes, Mm -hmm. I am. I want this to happen yesterday. I do care how long it takes and I want it to take as little time as possible. But being here now in this current healthy, confident relationship with food that I have that for a while I never thought was possible for me, I can easily look back and be like, I don't care how long it took me. I'm just so freaking thankful that I'm finally here and that that old reality is no longer my reality. It's going to take longer than you want it to. And once you get there, it won't matter because you're going to get to stay there. I totally agree. I, one of my favorite things in the world to do is like, look back, like, especially this time of year, it was so triggering for me in the past. And I'm like, God, it's nice to just have some cookies sometimes and have some salads most of the time, or, you know, not salads specifically, but just, you know, (laughs) hit the mark when I can and enjoy the holidays and not feel out of control with all of the food because for years I did. And so I don't care that it, I mean, it would have been great if it didn't take me as long, but it did. And I'm totally fine with that because now I am in such a happier, calmer, like the peace that comes along with achieving like food freedom and confident nourishment is so incredible. Like just the mental freedom and peace that comes along with it is invaluable. Priceless. Yep. Priceless. If you are someone who sets resolutions and sustainable weight loss is on your resolution list, fill out a coaching application. If you're not someone who sets resolutions, because that's fine too, because you can set goals any day of the year but you would like to create sustainable fat loss and a healthy, confident relationship with food, fill out a coaching application. Lauren and I have openings on our rosters for the month of January, and we are beyond happy to walk alongside of you and figure out what works for your body and make sure that the sustainable nutrition strategy that we create for you feels fantastic and allows you to reach your goals in less time with less frustration. Happy holidays, everybody. (laughs) Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.